Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Welcome to today's episode and we're talking about the aha moments we experience as artists. But before we go on, we just want to say a big thank you as always to our latest Kofi supporters because um, you really help us to keep this podcast going. Basically, you're our sponsors um, and we're going to thank each of you personally at the end of the show. Yeah, we always really appreciate the support. Not only does it help us towards the cost of running Kicking the Creatives, which helps us keep doing what we do, but it also shows that you like what we do. So a big thank you. And we've also got a review this week. So we've got, it says, great duo, and there's five stars. I love how these artists play off each other. They are so realistic and encouraging. Thanks for your work. And that's from LNR six nine nine via Apple Podcasts in Canada. No, so no, I don't know who you are, but thank you, LNR. We really do appreciate that. Yeah, actually, you know, reviews help us so much, don't they, Tara? And it really helps you, us get found. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you might not be able to support us on Kofi, but if you can't, if you just share an episode, that kind of thing, that, that sort of thing really does help us. Or even share an Instagram post to your story yeah. or a Facebook post. That really helps us. It does. Yeah, yeah. And thank you, everyone, for sharing your work for the challenges with us on social media. Um, I've been loving Jodie Croft. She's been doing the thirty-one animal august um challenge and did you see she did this she's got like a, a sketchbook and she's been doing um like a an animal on each page and she did this lovely baby bird it was absolutely adorable it was one of those really scruffy looking birds that just sort of plopped out the nest and it was so cute um and she did a gorgeous elephant she's done loads she's done really really lovely did you see her stuff i, I saw i saw a giraffe the other day which i thought was major cute mm, yeah, yeah. And actually, 31 Animal August, that challenge is one of our really popular ones, isn't it? Um, Michael Beckett, he's been doing it as well, and he's been doing some really nice drawings. He's been, uh, I think the one I really liked was the whale. He did a whale, and I do love whales. Whales are my thing. Well, sharks are my thing, really, but any, anything underwater themed is my thing. Um, so, yeah, Michael, I've been enjoying your stuff. Um, Esther Arroyo, Quick Kick August she's been doing, which is tonal drawings. And she's been doing some really lovely uh, tonal portraits in, in her tanned sketchbook. They've been lovely, actually. Really, really nice. So, yeah, been Yeah, she's those. a genius at portraits, isn't she, anyway? Yeah, she really is, yeah. yeah. What about you? What's caught your eye? So, I've got Mary McSween, because she's been doing these Japanese drawings. She's actually been using existing Japanese drawings as inspiration. But I just love... The way Mary, is it Mary or Mari? I apologise, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. I love the way she does her really simple line work. She just has such a character, her drawing. You really know it's hers. And then there's also Katie Lennon. And she's been drawing animals over different backgrounds that she creates. So this, again, is for quick kick um, August. I've got to think what month it was then. Um, <laughs> but I really love one she did of a patterned elephant over this sort of pink ink mark really really nice so yeah those two really stuck out for me but loads of great stuff going on and of course fantastic friday oh wow that's such a 
That's such a popular change over on Instagram, isn't it? Really Oh, is. yeah, some great yeah. stuff going on there. Yeah. But anyway, Sandra, what's new with you? Well, I'm sure I said in my last episode that I've finished um, my Friday commission, which is great. I'll be sending that off next week when it's completely dry. Um, but actually, I've just started a new, uh, a new um, painting, and it's a portrait in the style of the old masters, which is where my love for painting just, you know, began, really. Um, I can't say a lot about it, though, again, because it's not commissioned, but it's actually for a birthday present. And I don't know if the person it's for ever listens to this podcast. I mean, I'm I'm 99% sure they don't. But just in case, I'm going to say very little about it. But of course, that also means, again, I can't share too much on social media, which is frustrating, apart from little close-ups maybe and things like that. But, you know, I really enjoy painting in that style. And um, this one's going to have a bit of a fun twist to it, which is going to make it a little bit different, I hope. But I will, I think I'm going to get another thing going on the side as well because I do want to have something to share on social media although that's you know it's hard to sort of I know what I was going to ask you actually mm. do you remember I set you a challenge and you got you got to make was it five different posts or something oh Let's I did though didn't I did you yeah I did I did one oh, where that was a commission I did one where I was spinning around so nobody could really see it I yep. did one where I think I was mixing the colours or, or put like 50 shades of white. Um, what else did I do? I did a close-up. Yeah, I did do it. You did? Um, oh, I didn't, right. They weren't all posts. They were, some of them were just stories. Um, but I, I did right. do I five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, did. I forgot well to actually have told you that. I did, yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is, you know, um, recently I've been talking about the fact that I've kind of got out of that habit of drawing every day, which I had been doing for a good couple of years, maybe maybe more like three years. Um, I'd been doing it every morning, hadn't I, for an hour. Yes. Um, and somehow over the last few months, I've been distracted. I've got distracted by so many other things. So like I say, I used to get up an hour earlier than I needed to every day. So I could spend some time just drawing before I do anything else. And I basically just put my drawing right to the top of my priority list above everything else. But somehow I have managed to get myself totally out of that habit over the last few months. Um, and I've totally neglected that part of my creativity. And actually, I've been really missing it. And I do think, you know, we've been saying, we were talking earlier about, um, you know, how much work kicking the creatives is. And, and I think what I've been doing is I've been doing a lot of kicking the creative things and then you know neglecting not neglecting the the stuff you know that stuff you know so I needed to find a way of well starting that again really so and I think especially when you do paintings perhaps like I do um or I've been doing the sort of polished type paintings it's so important to have an outlet for just having a bit of fun and, and not being precious and just sketching for exactly that you know just for the point of having some fun um not being precious that kind of thing so for the last, I reckon, ten days, I've I thought, right, I can't. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get back into that habit. So I've been going into the art studio every morning for an hour. I've set a timer, and I've concentrated on that before I've done anything else. So I thought, if I've done it once before, I can do it again. And actually, it's been yeah. really nice to find myself slipping back quite easily into that creative habit, that kind of mindset in the morning again. And so, so what are you drawing? 
I'm just sketching in my sketchbook. I'm just drawing it. I'll do it from Google. I'll, I'll do it. I, the other day I just drew my, my foot. that <laughs> was just sort of, um, I had my sketchbook on my, on my lap and I just did my, my, my shoe. And, but a lot, a lot from Google mainly because I think, I, you know, I, I can't go out in the morning sketching. Um, so that's where that sort of comes in quite handy. Well, you could. You, just wanna... you could if you wanted. No, no, because I would I would be so short of time then, because I'd spend the time travelling. I'd rather be using that. No, you time mean you could draw. go out into the woods behind your house or something. Yeah, but that doesn't float my boat. No, you know I when you like drawing either. certain things, yeah. it'd be like you drawing still life. You hate that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I I'm not interested in drawing landscape type things at all. I don't, it's just not where, it's not what I enjoy, but I do love drawing people and things like that. So to go out and find people in the morning, I'd have to drive somewhere to to do that. So by the time I've got there, that's half an hour at least gone. So my my best bet is to just do what I'm doing. It works for me. And, um, you know, it's, it's amazing how that one thing can completely change my entire day for the better. And I think it might just be because... It's such a relaxing pastime, isn't it? Just drawing for the sake of drawing. It's a bit like meditating. So I'm determined that I'm going to keep that up again. And I'm not going to think of it as anything I need to share on social media if I don't want to. I'm not thinking, oh, I've got to take photos or record this. Anything like that is just, you know, it's just me time for no reason other than to just enjoy myself in my sketchbook without any pressure to produce something fabulous. And I think that when I did that before... That is how I just got so much better at sketching and so much more natural at it. With And it was because I wasn't really trying to do it for any purpose. It was just that I was doing it regularly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Did I've you try really the collage? Because you were going to have a little dabble with the bit I of was. Color. And no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're such a coward. <laughs> no, I... Would you like me? That I, I've been a coward. I still haven't done my big drawing. I've got this. I've got oh, this lovely yes. new easel that I bought, so I could oh, do yeah. it. I still mm. haven't done it. Yeah. So, what's okay. new with you then? If you haven't done your big drawing, <laughs> I haven't done my big drawing. I don't actually think it's fear. I mean, maybe slightly, but I think part of it is um, the convenience of the size I normally draw. Mm. You know, it's just it's really easy. My desk is all set up for that, and also because it's really easy to scan that size that I normally do if for NFTs. So what's new with me is NFTs have gone really quiet this past couple of weeks for me. Um, Not many sales coming through on that front. I mean, the whole market has definitely slowed down um, because obviously we're all going into this recession, aren't we? And so it hits everything. It it hits the crypto market as well, you know, and everything gets fearful. So that's slowed down a little bit. I mean, people are still selling, but just not as much. Mm. So I've been looking into doing a little promotion on prints. Um, I, it's going to take me a while to get this set up because it's, it's quite technical how you have to do it, this little promotion. But I've been testing out some different companies to get prints done. And uh, I've actually been really impressed by some different ones. I did a giveaway and yesterday I actually had a Gigli printed. Well, I actually had two. I had them printed on different surfaces to see what they looked like. And I've actually sent the girl who won the better one, the one I preferred, which was this matte finish. And I picked, a, um, they had a matte finish, but it was a slightly textured paper. Now, I work on a really smooth surface, so I wasn't sure if that was actually going to look right, but I, I really like how that looked. 
But of course, Giclees are quite pricey, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah. So I've also been looking into some like lower cost, but still, you know, very good quality options. And I found a, a company that does these UV resistant art prints and they do them on um, on a recycled stock. Mm. So everything's very environmentally friendly and they're supposed to last a long time. They print them on some sort of Kodak machine. So that is looking, I had some prints done and I was really quite impressed by them. Um, and I also tried, I saw a few people saying that they um, were trying a photographic prints of their art. Because and that is actually really economical. And I tell you, it is. I got an A3 print, which is, if you know what an A4 bit of paper is, two pieces of that sat side by side. And it was about just £1 or £1.50. And I thought, That's wow. That's nothing, is it? Um, which are apparently fast? are supposed to... Yeah, they're supposed to be really light fast, which is oh, why good. I tried it. The yeah. only thing I don't like about it is it's it has got that surface like a photo um mm. they call it luster or something oh yeah so there is a, yeah. a little bit of a sheen to it so but for for, a, for an economical way to print you know it's it's not a bad idea depending on the type of work you do but i think i'm going to go with the uv resistant probably for the promotion anyway mm. they're, they're supposed to last a long time so yeah, that was it really. I bored you with my print talk now. No, my nerdy no. print talk. <laughs> but it, it is quite interesting. What I don't actually know, because this company makes these um, UV resistant prints, I don't really know what the difference between that and a Gicle is, really. Because Gicle, I mean, I, I have mine done and they're done in archival pigment yeah. inks and they will yeah. just last forever. They just won't fade. But yeah, the Gicle prints, I think mine are on... Uh, etching Hanaluni etching paper but they are very pricey to have made and I sell them for peanuts really because by the time I've had them made um considering you have yours photographed as well don't you I have mine professionally photographed which I have to take the painting to the photographer get it photographed um then I have to go back and agree that there's color you know the color match and make sure it absolutely matches the painting um yeah and then, you know, obviously I have to buy the, you know, I have to pay him <laughs> to have yeah. done all of that, which yeah. is, is not cheap. And then I obviously, I luckily, I, I, don't, I don't have to buy 10, you know, at once or anything like that. He will just print me one-offs as, as they sell. But of course, you know, that costs a lot to do, it costs a lot of money to do that. Then I have to go, so I have to go and pick that print up. yeah. And then I have to post it, and I probably make about I don't know I I doubt if I make more than about thirty quid. Yeah, <laughs> on I know. A, on a, on it, and you know, it's see a, the only way that's economical is if you were selling a lot of them, isn't it? Almost yes, it is. But really. it's a limited and edition. I, I, have, I I sell them as as one one over twenty five. You know, one in twenty five. So they are. Yeah. And they're I think I I think they're only up I think they're only up for about a hundred and. I don't even know. I should know, shouldn't I? 105 or something. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't yeah. looked for a while. But, you know, but you're right. Art sales have slowed right down, haven't they, at the moment? And I, But I want to do limited edition prints simply because it makes them so much... Um, it makes them spe- really special for people that can't afford original artwork. It's a really lovely thing to have, you know. But yeah, I may have so to rethink that in the future with because some of my... That's still pricey, isn't it, for some people? Mm. 
This, yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, if I was doing an unlimited yeah. edition, I would, I would be happy to let them go a lot cheaper, obviously, yeah. and, and yeah. make a, a lot less on yeah. it. But again, people, I don't know, people aren't buying stuff at the moment um, because of this everything that's happened across the world at the moment it's it's just sent everyone into uh, into panic mode over money and stuff like that so it's not surprising it's not surprising but um on to happier things (laughs) (laughs) so there's nothing else new with you is there tara before i move uh no i don't think so no okay so we're talking about the aha moments do you know what aha stands for i don't i was thinking about this this morning oh i just like the way it's aha (laughs) aha it must stand for something Mm. i don't know i don't know i think it's just that expression you make when something aha (laughs) that when something happens isn't it yeah yeah, and we're talking about those moments that you experience as an artist, um, those aha moments. And and there's no more useful aha moment, in my experience anyway, than that good old happy accident. And it's often the happy accidents that help us to progress as artists, I think, anyway, because it almost always means that we've learned something. And, you know, it, it's just that we've learned something by mistake, Hence, it's called a happy accident. And uh, there are so many examples of this. Like when I started out painting all those years ago when I was desperate to learn how to paint and really put my heart and soul into it. But obviously having not been to um, official art school, as in a walk-in, you know, everyday art college, you know, there were certain phrases which I wasn't really sure what they meant, but I kept hearing them. Um... So, for instance, draw what you see and not what you think you see. That was one of one example for me, which, of course, I understand that completely now. But at the time, I was thinking, what on earth does that mean? And um, but I'd also heard a lot about um, lost and found edges. And I just could not get my head around what that meant either. And it was only when I was working on my vintage teddy bear series back in a long 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 time ago when I was first started you know starting out and I was studying those old master techniques of oil painting um and to this day I actually think those teddy bear paintings probably taught me more than anything I've ever learned since um when it comes to learning how to paint but you know while I was studying that you know the way some of the old masters painted I kept coming across the phrase lost and found edges and like I said I really didn't know what that meant until I've never heard of it you haven't heard of lost and well it's probably because you haven't really been doing oil paintings and no that's true (laughs) (laughs) and and I didn't know what it meant either but I as I say I, I accidentally unwittingly one day did it myself and quite literally said aha now I know what that means and um so, well, I better explain to you then what what it means. Although it's it's hard. Well, like, because... I kind of I kind of can guess what it means. It's like yeah. a soft edge and a hard edge, is it? And a, and a no edge at all. Oh, you right, know, right. if you're looking at, say, for instance, you're drawing. Oh, I suppose the classic, um, the the best way I could. Oh no, that wouldn't work. We're not going to have the off. fridge. The fridge. Episode no, no, we're not having the fridge. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, that would be if I was saying draw what you see and not what you want to see. Oh God. Um, are you saying I keep repeating myself? Yeah, you keep repeating. <laughs> you do like that fridge analogy. <laughs> well, anyone who's listening and doesn't know it now are going to be going. Oh, I want to know what that is. <laughs> well, go back, go back and listen to any episode, and you'll hear the fridge analogy. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So, so a lost and found edge. I mean, so, so for instance, my marble paintings. 
a lot of the edges would be hard edges because they are very sort of crisp, very smooth, clear objects, aren't they? Yeah. But then again, some of the marbles that were further back, I wanted to blur the edges because I wanted to push them back. So they would be sort of slightly more blurry. But some of the edges would be lost altogether and they wouldn't, it would appear like there wasn't an edge at all because it just literally blends in with the background. So that's what, that's just a very, very short way of explaining so, what so, lost and found So the edges. mid-ground would be the slightly blurry and the even further back ones would be the lost. No, it doesn't mean to say that, no, because oh. you can have a lost edge in, in, in the front. It, if, if the edge just blends into the, the background colour, I mean, in this case, because it's glass, do you see what yeah. I mean? Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. so it, that's basically what it, it, it means. But, but like you, I was a bit like, well, I don't get it. I don't get it. It just didn't, it didn't really make much sense to me until I did it myself. So I was painting with the traditional sort of um, oils that take forever to dry. And I, I wasn't familiar at the time with oil painting as I am now. I was still sort of learning as I went. And uh, I remember finding this bit of fluff stuck it might have been a dog hair or something stuck to the surface of my canvas and I I decided I needed to remove this bit of fluff and I expected it to be quite dry but it wasn't and I totally smudged the surface and I managed to um, smudge an entire area in the process of getting this bit of fluff off but where it was it was where I'd done this row of books Um, I'd painted this row row of old books and the books were in the background and what I'd done is I'd completely blurred the transition between one area and another in the background of the painting. And at first I was like, oh no, I've, I've, I've ruined it. And then I stood back and realised that actually in that one moment I'd, comp- I'd learnt something really big. And it changed my whole way of thinking after that because my paintings took on a whole new level once I'd learnt that lesson of lost and found edges because basically what I'd done is I'd lost an edge. It made those sort of lines very much more blurred and it really looked like it was in the background and it was just... I couldn't believe how much that painting changed. And actually, it was the second... That was the second bear I did. I think I did eight. And the first bear, I'd sort of... I hadn't learnt that lesson the second one is when I learned that lesson and they all took on a completely new level after that the paintings because I'd learned that one lesson and um it's funny because it's one of those things I just had to learn myself and it came with experience as so many things do it wasn't something I seemed to be able to understand when someone was explaining it to me or I was reading it and it's such a, a great feeling isn't it when you suddenly work out how to do something something that makes so much sense once you once it's actually happened to you you know, yeah. and you realise when and how to, to use that. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's almost like the camera, isn't it? Like, if you're taking a photo now of a person, and if you focus on the person, everything else would go lovely and blurry, won't it, in the background? Yeah. If you've got a, a good lens. So, basically, you're doing that effect. But yeah. I think sometimes when you try and read stuff like that in books, it's so hard from a book, isn't it? You either yeah. need someone in person or you need a video where someone is demonstrating it but until you've done that and back then there probably wasn't many videos on that was there no back then in the olden days (laughs) no not really I mean I I must admit back then YouTube was not such a big thing at all no and um yeah I mean I it was hard to find yeah those kind of because they're kind of dying out a bit really and it's all about you know doing it quick 
Yeah. Um, another aha you can have is when you use the wrong material and put it on your work by mistake. Or you substituted a material for something just to try it out and you find that you like the result. Because I've spoken about this before, but my current style actually came from when I was trying out a technique that Cara Bullock demonstrated, which was to use charcoal with clear gesso. Now, I, I substituted the gesso for matte medium. But then, by mistake, I happened to have a tube of white gouache sitting on my desk as well. And instead of pouring the um, matte medium onto my paper I poured the white gouache onto my paper and it's like <gasps> you get that moment it's like you with the books don't you yeah you get yeah. that oh my god I've ruined it you, you've got all this piece that's going really well and so like I thought, oh no so I grab this bit of kitchen roll and I'm like trying to scoop up the most of it because it's just like blobs of white paint and I managed to get that off and then I end up just kind of wiping it, but of course you can't get it off because I've got stuff already on the surface, so I can't I can't literally scrub the surface, and so I end up with this kind of white haze, and I loved it, <laughs> and I thought I can't believe how much I like that, and that actually led I don't use gouache now, but I now use white acrylic on top of my work, and I sometimes smudge it, but I sometimes just apply it, but it was just that idea of using white on top of this charcoal that had been applied. And I ne would never have thought of mixing those two mediums. No. But what else? What else? I was going to tell you something else. Oh, yeah. Also, you might try applying a medium in a different way and get a real aha moment. Now, I've seen, I don't know if you've seen these, Joe Brown, Prickly Witch on Instagram. Now, she's my art hero. <laughs> <laughs> she um does such oh she does fantastic faces but she was doing this course from somebody and the person had told them to use different materials to apply watercolor now i think that's quite unusual because watercolor tends to be a, a brush thing isn't it it's not really yes. a, a thing no. you do in different ways but she was applying watercolor with bits of card and a credit card and honestly amazing and to me, if, what, obviously straight from the tube instead of watered down, then I guess. No, I, really? well, I don't know how she'd done it. I assume that she'd, it looked like she'd got a, you know, made a little bit on her palette with a bit of water, but okay. not too, not, not too, too wet. Runny. No, it looked like she got that and then maybe picked it up with the credit card or something and then put it on or either that or she'd applied it and then dragged it with it I don't know but it's just stuff like that I mean even me seeing her having done that that to me was like a, <gasps> if I wasn't really happy with what I was doing and I still might try it anyway I'd be thinking I have to try that mm. it's kind of it's an aha that can set you off in a completely different direction yeah that's yeah, what I think anyway. I totally agree yeah yeah I think as well, when you discover a new material and you really like it, you know, and it takes oh, me back yes. when I tried your... And this is when... I, what I'm talking about is those materials you discover kind of by mistake, you know. Actually, oh, yeah. Yeah. Remember that Pentel brush that I tried? Of not, not the lovely near colours that I sent you. Oh, God, though. No, they were awful. Um, the Pentel a Japanese brush and we were yeah. in London weren't we and, I, and you said oh why don't you try this and I, I tried it I was like oh my god I hate it <laughs> I don't like that at all and you're like no you just keep trying it and 
Um, once I tried it again, I, I can't remember why I tried I think I'd bought one. I don't know whether I bought yeah, one. Yeah, I think you bought time. one. You did, really didn't like mine, but then you bought one. <laughs> I think you'd said to me, you should definitely try a brush, brush pen. I think you'd like it. So I thought, oh, I'll get one and I'll, I'll have another go. Because you did keep saying to me, the more, you know, you can't just, tr- you know, give up after one go sort of thing. So I, I bought one and I did try it again and I still didn't like it. And then I tried it again and I thought, hmm. And then I watched a video with somebody and they used one. I thought, oh, I'm going to try that again, you know. And um, after a few times, I started to really enjoy it. And I was, you know, I really was so surprised that something I could really dislike so much in the beginning, I actually ended up really, really enjoying. And and it became, a, a you know, an essential part of my sketching kit in the end. And I think it was just learning to adapt to the way the you know, that particular pen made marks because obviously it was completely different to any pen I'd used before. I think before I was just using like a little purple biro or something and it was, you know, I wasn't using anything particularly fancy, but this obviously you get these big sweeping calligraphic lines and um, and real varied lines and it was, yeah, very, very different. But I was, yeah, I was like, oh, I can't believe that. I can't believe something. No, no, I what really did you just... say? What did you say when it worked for you? Oh, you were right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You were right. You can say that as well if you want. (laughs) Well, you've had to say that to me plenty of times, so. (laughs) And I was talking about gambling earlier, wasn't I, very very briefly. And that was another aha moment for me. And it was when I very first tried the gambling brand. Um, The one thing I really hated about oil painting was the horrible smell. Absolutely disgusting. And I, I'd heard about gambling, and um, I thought I'd give it a go. So I, I, because I'd heard that it didn't smell at all, and not only did it not smell, but it didn't evaporate into the air because you can get these like odorless um, thinners, which sounds all very well, and no, you know, it doesn't smell. But because it doesn't smell, you don't realise you're breathing it in, so you don't open a window, and it's really dangerous. So, so actually, right. I, I would I would not recommend those at all. But the gambling ones, apparently, they don't actually evaporate into the air, so you're not breathing it in. They don't smell. Um, and so I tried those, and I have never looked back. And ever since then, I've just only ever bought gambling products. As my old products run out, I, I replace them with gambling. And uh, we really should get them as a sponsor, you know. <laughs> we should do. We should, yeah. shouldn't we? Um Yes, yeah, so so my aha moment was, or rather my aha moment, was finally realising that painting with oils did not need to be a stinky business um, and an unhealthy way to paint. Um, you go into my studio now, and honestly, you, you'd never know that an oil painter worked in there at all. And in fact, it was really funny because um, a friend of mine, Kerry Occasion, she comes in and um, she uses my studio because, you know, it's nice because she hasn't got one at home. And um, she normally uses acrylics. And on this occasion, she started, she brought with her her oils. Oh, my gosh. I had to open every window. I said, Kerry, I, you know, I love you being here. You know I do. I said, but one thing... But you I, stink. One thing I can't handle is the smell of oil. I, I, please don't use thinners. <laughs> just you. And I gave her some Gamsol. I just put an inch of Gamsol in a jar for her. I said, there you go, use that. And she bought herself a bottle of Gamsol straight afterwards and, and it was never a problem after that. But yeah, that, re- that was a real reminder of how awful paint, uh, oil paints can smell so bad. And actually, 
I would not be using them now if 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 gambling weren't around. I I'd, I'd have gone right off of them because they they used to give me a headache, you know. But um, yeah. actually, some of the aha moments I've had have been realizing what I don't like, and that I'm just not suited to certain materials because I simply do not like how they feel. And oil pastels or neo colors, yeah, they, they're a classic example of that. I mean, you love neo colors. I really do not like them at all. I hate using them. <laughs> and I think... Well, if you like me using oil paints, yes. I, I would not like the mess, the no. messiness of them. No, and I, I think, you know, oh, I could probably try them over and over again and I think I would still hate them. Sometimes you, you just realise that you are not the problem, but the materials you are using are. Not because they are a problem in themselves, but because they're just not right for you, your style, your personality. You know, sometimes learning the things you don't like is just as important um, as learning the things you do like. So, Tara, I, but, like you said, you... No, yeah. no, no. But like you said before, you can't just try something once. No. Because look at that Pentel brush pen. Yeah, so, you have to try things more than yeah, once. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tara, you, you've ordered the wrong materials in the past, haven't you? Like you said earlier, and that you had an aha moment. Um, but you've actually found that you liked them, haven't you? I haven't you? ordered... I've ordered the wrong near colours. I haven't ordered... I've, I've used the wrong materials. Mm. Yeah. I don't think I've right. ordered the wrong ones. Well, I, yeah. I ordered those Windsor & Newton brush pens recently, didn't I? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. I meant yeah. to order Windsor & Newton brush pens. Watercolour water, ones. Watercolour brush pens. And they had recently changed, I think, their packaging. And I ended up getting... Oh, I got two packs of them. One, one of them was um, the chisel ended like that blooming chunky marker. I'll never forget that moment when I had you handed me a chunky marker, um, and I thought I can't use those. I don't want to use those. And um, and the other ones were the brush pens, but they were more like the old felt tips we used to get as kids. They were very hard oh, yeah. brush pens, and they were yeah. supposedly blendable. I didn't find that at all. And, um, yeah, and they were all wrong for me, and I tried them. I thought, I'm going to try them anyway. I just literally tried one, or one of each pen and, and tried to blend them, and I thought, no, I, I instantly did not like them at all. So, um, yeah, I sent them back and got, some, get, got the right ones. And um, not overly. Have you used either. the new watercolour <laughs> ones? Do you, have you used the new watercolour ones? Not yet, no. But, um, no. And the reason is because the watercolour pens I got which I really liked and enjoyed when I tried yours worked really well on the on the Canson watercolor paper I was using at the time or the rather the Canson XL mixed media sketchbook yeah but the mixed media sketchbook I've got at the moment that I'm working in they do not blend they don't they don't um I don't get that because I'm sure I use a CY. I'm sure I've used one on CY. I'm going to have to test it later see if it works yeah it doesn't work at all Uh, no the one I'm using is a God, what's it called? An artesia? Is it artesia? Oh, right, okay. That yeah, I would, you know, I I did think they were great, and they are great if you're just using, yeah. you know, inks yeah. or something like that. Um, but not, they're no good for, for water. water It'll work on a C-white. Yeah, I, I should try C-white that. I have got, got a C-white, yeah. White, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'm fairly sure they work on those. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
I'll tell you what else I really like, and this is a bit like what I said about Joe Brown, is when you discover that you like marks made by different tools or, you know, you just use different tools with, with a medium. Um, for instance, I absolutely love painting with the dropper bottle top of ink bottle. You know what I mean, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I've seen you do it on your videos. Um, yeah, and I actually discovered that, I think, during... I might have done it before, but uh, during that challenge, the 50 Ways to Draw a Face Challenge, we've actually got on our website if you fancy trying it. Um, but I used it to draw a complete face doing that. But now that's actually become part of my process now. And I use it to do the under sort of painting. It's a very posh underpaint. It's not really underpainting. It's the background of my faces. But just when you do something like that, or you use a bit of rag, or you use, you did a, a video, didn't you, once where you used twigs? to paint yes. with and you've got some lovely effects mm. but just switching or drawing with something you're not supposed to draw with can really give you that aha I really like how that looks you know it's just something different and just something you can't really find any other way it's that it's that happy accident mark isn't it um but also when you discover that mediums that you wouldn't expect to work together work really well. Now, I mentioned before that I now use white acrylic with charcoal. But I remember seeing somebody in our group years ago and they used watercolour with charcoal. Now, you'd think that'd be fine if you put the watercolour on first, let it dry and then applied the charcoal. But they'd done it the other way around. And to me, that would be a definite no-no because I just think it's going to end up with a murky mess. Yeah, but yeah, it actually little bits of a black charcoal kind of went into the watercolor, but it gave this really lovely, subtle kind of feel. So, to me, that it, if I hadn't actually tried it, but to, anything like that can be a real aha, 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 I can't even say it now, <laughs> aha moment and push you off in different directions. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it gives you that slightly grungy look as well, doesn't it? Which you love. Yeah, I, I love that grungy look. Mm. Who doesn't love the grungy? Well, not everyone. <laughs> also, when you discover the the actual subject that you really like to draw the most, and I think I remember Tara when you first realised your love for drawing faces because you you were drawing a lot of animals and and things like that, weren't you? And then you discovered, oh God, you know, aha, my you know, yeah. faces is my thing. And, and you've never really looked back. You, that's what you specialise in doing. And, yeah, years um, ago it was buildings for me. Yeah, yeah. And you don't really like drawing buildings particularly now, no. do you? And the and thing uh, is, if you think you like, when you draw something, like say you used to do teddy bears, mm. and you start to think that's your thing, don't you? Yeah. And... Even if you sort of, you start getting a little bit bored with it, but you don't know what your thing should be. And you don't know that by changing it, it could open up this whole, whole new feeling of how you feel about your work. I think Does what you're saying, sense? though, about, you know, when I started drawing teddy bears, I thought that was my thing. But yeah. I think it's when you just find you, that you're good at something. So you assume that is your thing. Yeah, you're probably right. But it's right, the yeah. difference between, you know, being good at a particular subject and loving to draw a certain subject. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? And I think yeah. that's that's where the aha moment comes in. You know, um, it, it happened to me, I think, when I just wanted to challenge myself to draw something I thought would be really difficult. You know, a bit like um, getting it out of the way so other things would seem easier. I mean, I've always said, don't start 
um, drawing figures, draw hands, and then figures will be easy <laughs> because hands are tricky. And if you can master a hand, then you can certainly draw a figure. If you try it the other way around, you'll still struggle with hands. Do you know what I mean? So I, I like getting those things that I fear um, out of my system first. So I, I feel confident in those things. And then I feel confident about doing the other things because they'll seem easier. But actually, um, yeah, I, I remember thinking I, I need to challenge myself to, to draw the thing that I'm most scared of drawing. And, and that was glass. Um, actually, I think it's, it started with metal. Um, I guess it was reflective objects. Um, and then I, I thought, well, that, that's fine. I, that's, I found that quite easy. And then I had a go at drawing glass, which I couldn't quite get my head around that. And, um, but as soon as I'd done it for the first time, I thought, oh, I know. I definitely want to tackle this one again. I really loved it. I absolutely loved it. So that was definitely an aha moment for me. And even in those teddy bear paintings, yes, you know, I enjoyed doing the teddy bears. But what I really loved, um, and it helped me understand what I enjoyed about painting, I really enjoyed the glass objects that were around the bear. So there was one bear that had a, a, a wine decanter and a wine glass. And I really, really enjoyed uh, painting that. And, you know, even now I look back at those and think, wow, they were really good. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? But I did, yeah, I think, wow, that, that, I really did a good job of that. And, um, and one had a, a magnifying glass. And, yeah, the glass was great, but also it had a mother-of-pearl handle because it was like this antique. And, oh, I loved that bit. I was oh, I really liked that bit. And, and if I could pick a square inch of that painting that I liked the most, it was that mother-of-pearl handle, which, again was kind of like the pearly, reflective. And the interesting thing was, is I didn't use any kind of pearlescent oils or anything like that. And um, again, with the books, um, they, I did uh, the props around them were all kind of antiques and they had gold gilding. They were gold um, writing on the books. And it would have been easy to reach for the, the gold paint, but I didn't. I thought, no, I'm going to make these look gold using flat colours and again pat on the back for me because I did a great job of those <laughs> and I thought yeah this is my thing I've realised my thing is reflective objects I I just love it and and glass and and all that and I, I like I say that was definitely well I wouldn't say it was an aha moment it was more of an aha phase <laughs> let's say that but yeah and I guess as well uh, you know, when you suddenly realise that you've got a style and it's often the case that artists don't actually realise they have a style until someone points it out to them. But on the other hand, some artists, particularly I can mention a, a per certain person in this room, Tara, well, not in this actual room, but on the end of my <laughs> mic, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's you. You know, some, you know you, some artists search and search and they will like specifically search for a style and try out different styles all of the time to try and find one that they love which you now have um a lot other people just it just happens over a much more slow period of time and I remember my own um aha moment and that was when I decided to just stop listening to everyone around me uh, mainly other well mainly really artist tutors um <clears throat> my tutors telling me that I I needed to loosen up um Yes, they were right, absolutely to a point. I was very tight, and now I'm really happy that I do use loose and paint and these strokes in my work, even though my work's realism. 
but my and my paintings are definitely far better for it but that was something that happened for me naturally over time being pressured to sort of slap it on instantly and hope for the best was just so way too extreme for me at the time and it wasn't until the moment I decided to ignore everyone else and follow my own instinctive path that that's when my style came so you know so much more quickly so now it feels much more natural to me and it wasn't something that I ever forced and just because somebody else had told me that I should do it like you Tara I don't really like doing what I'm told <laughs> no I hate doing what I'm told I can't even yeah. do the recipe when I'm cooking it um, <laughs> I was actually thinking because what you basically said and what I think is a real high moment for anybody is when they discover the subject like you said that you want to draw but also mm. the method and the style that they want to paint it in and I think there really are two different sides to that, aren't there? There's the, the subject and the style and the method. Because for me, that was finding a way to draw faces that let me be loose and free. Yeah. And for me, that was a big aha moment for me. That marrying together the subject with the style really suits how you work because you know I was doing those um cart- more cartoony type faces more caricature but I always felt there's something missing when I was doing those because it felt like I was drawing them out but then I was I know this is terrible to say but coloring them in yeah so it wasn't I wasn't losing myself in them it was You'd probably like it because it's more of a methodical, you get in that meditative state, don't you? From doing that kind of more methodical work. But for me, that doesn't work. But painting the way I do now, I can kind of lose myself in it. And it's not pre-planned. So I never know quite what they're going to look like. So that was a real, oh, wow, I love this for me. Um, But there was also, actually, when I did do those colourful characters... I did have another aha moment when I did those. The fact that you can actually marry together two things you love. And that was when I realised I could combine uh, faces with those little cartoon characters. But, I mean, that could be anything for you. So maybe you love painting flowers and animals. uh, And you really love those two subjects. And you suddenly realise there's a way you can actually marry the two together. Yeah. And, And also I think that sometimes having a niche... Now, I find this really, really strange to say, and I don't know if I said this in the last podcast, but I now have kind of a science fiction sort of bias to my work. Mm. It tends to be a little bit futuristic. And that came from reading something that somebody had written about saying it's, it's often easier to sell your work if you can push it towards a niche. Now, I didn't want to be that commercial. Do you know what I mean? You don't want to say, okay, I'm going to do that because of that. But I, no. do, I do really like the science fiction sort of side. Yeah, so I yeah. thought, oh, just for fun, I'm going to try something that looks a little bit more sci-fi. I think I went steampunk first and I loved it because it meant that now I wasn't just drawing this face. So say I'd see um, a royalty face. I wasn't just drawing that face anymore. I was making that face become something else or someone else. And yeah. to me, that just, it was that, ah, I can bring another dimension in here. And also, it probably does make it a little bit more commercial as well at the same time. Yeah, unintentionally, but it helps, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it definitely yeah. does, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. that's, that was originally what the trigger was, yeah. someone saying that. But yeah, I really do like that side of things. And accidentally going outside the lines, that's a good one. You know, when we were kids, do you remember, I don't know whether you, what 
it was like for you, but certainly at school, we were always taught, you know, must stay inside the lines and the trees must be green and the sky should be blue, blah, blah. But actually venturing outside the lines makes for a far more interesting sketch, doesn't it? And the freedom that allows you is just so lovely. I love the spontaneity of that in my sketchbook. You know, and, and who's to say a tree has got to be green? Now, for me, the beauty of art, and this is something you learn as you're an, uh, you're an adult and you make your own choices, is that you can paint the world exactly as you want to paint it. There, there are no rules. You might want your tree to be purple, um, or you might want your tree to be blue. So, yeah, break the rules and do it your way. It's, it's, that's what I thought was a great aha moment, was actually I can do what I want. This is my... And I always remember it takes me back to when I did an oil painting of a, an apple sitting in a cocktail glass. And there was nothing else. It was just this cocktail glass with an apple in the top. And um, what was so funny was Paul, when he saw it, he went, that's really good. He said, but who would put an apple in a cocktail glass? <laughs> and I was it's like, true. Yeah, I was like, well, it, that's not the point. <laughs> I love, uh, and I, I really enjoy painting fruit, you see. I don't paint a lot of it, but I do love painting fruit. I did a pom- pomegranate once, and I really enjoyed that. And that, in fact, that's the one painting I've kept, and it's on my wall. Um, and uh, apples, I love that sort of, um, well, I did it recently, actually, in my bum paintings, didn't I? I did... Uh, uh, the, a piece of fruit in each one and I really I love those the doing the skins and getting the texture of the skin and the and that sort of thing but I also love glass so it was my way of, of bringing together two things I really love to paint fruit and glass but in his eyes he just couldn't get his head around it said, but, but you wouldn't put an apple in a glass yeah <laughs> like yes this is art it, you can do whatever you want you know you can literally do whatever you want it's my world here you know it's it's it doesn't have to be, you know, real. Yeah, look and, at surreal um, art. I mean, you're not anywhere near that sort of level, are you? No, As in, God, no. It's just no. quite simple compared. And very, very simple, yeah. Um, and another thing I learned, obviously, um, along with going outside of the lines and all that sort of thing, I guess to be less precious in my sketchbook. And there was a time um, when I used to rub out any smudges or marks that I accidentally made when I was drawing. Tara, we met, didn't we? I mean, I was obviously an established painter when we met, but because I was a realism painter, my drawings in my sketchbook reflected that side of me, and they were very... They were um, superb. They were, they were great drawings. But they were... They, were, they weren't sketches. No, that's it. They were small drawings as opposed to sketches. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. I certainly was never a sketcher um <clears throat> at the time and you know when I look back on on those pages yeah they're they're quite characterless really um but obviously over time you know especially since we've been doing kicking the creatives I I have a whole new you know love for proper sketching now and just you know squiggly I, I really enjoy all that and then like I say though I, I would I, in those you know, back then I would have rubbed out if I'd have made a finger mark um, or a pencil mark anywhere on the page, I'd have rubbed it out. <laughs> but now, certainly I wouldn't. I mean, I remember one day I put my coffee cup down because it was just too hot. And I I just, you know, when you grab something, you're like, oh my gosh, you've got yeah. to put it down instantly. And I put it down and, and part of this um, coffee cup just caught the corner of my sketchbook page. And it made this kind of, um, this ring. And the page was blank at the time 
and I probably may have normally torn that page out. I can't, I can't draw on that now. It's got a coffee mark on it. <laughs> but, you know, the page, I, something about that mark, I don't know what it was. I kind of, I kind of liked it. And so I, I filled the page anyway. And actually, that was a, an absolute aha moment for me when I realised that actually all of the smudges along with that coffee ring, the finger marks and everything else that was on the page around the drawing I'd done, kind of told their own story. And since then, my sketchbook is, is a very different place for me to be and it's a lot more interesting. And that aha moment definitely made me less pedantic and more comfortable with a smudgy book. And actually, if you look at someone, say, like Louis Rosignol, can you imagine his sketchbook pages if he rubbed out all of those gorgeous smudges he makes with his charcoal and um he deliberately makes them doesn't he yeah well i yeah i think well i i know he does a lot of them on purpose yeah but um i don't think his sketches would be anywhere near as interesting as they are um, the way he does it if he he did his drawings and then rubbed out all of those smudgy marks around them it it wouldn't be the same drawing would it oh definitely not yeah yeah so no, I love that, and actually, that's why, why I was saying earlier about getting back into that sketching habit in the morning. It's more about trying to get back into that sort of flow of just doing and not not worrying, and you know, and that's what I want to find again. Yeah, I mean, you can also have an aha moment when you use something that's meant for another purpose, and that is like we were talking before. Like I said, have you used collage yet? But using an old ticket or for example i use gum t- i had this thing about gum tape <laughs> what do you remember mm. and i think it's because i did I don't, yeah i don't I know that. why it started but obviously you're not supposed to use gum tape for drawing over it's for you know pinning down watercolor paper or and things like that um but i think i saw i just like the idea of that almost like the tone paper look but i want to look more scrappy so i i tried using that and you think oh god i love that to be honest, I still love the old gum tape. I do mm. keep thinking about doing some more of those. But also there's another way you can get aha moments. And that is when you get really pushed out of your comfort zone. And that could be maybe you get a commission that you perhaps wouldn't normally take on. Or you enter a competition and you follow a brief where you might not like an aspect of it. Or you think you don't. I mean, I've mentioned recently that I took part in a competition and I had to use colours that I would never have considered before. And I absolutely love the results. And since then, I can't stop using those colours. And I actually now, I go to do a painting and I think, well, I really want to use olive again. I have to stop myself because I keep on wanting to use that one colour. But I <laughs> never, ever, had I not done something that wasn't my normal thing as in what I wasn't doing if somebody hadn't told me you have to use olive I would never have used it so don't automatically disregard something that sounds like it's really out of your comfort zone I mean obviously don't put yourself in stress but I could have if I'd have done this thing for the competition and didn't like it I could have just thrown it away I didn't have to enter no but um yeah you can definitely find that it pushes you forward doing something like that definitely yeah Okay, so the final aha moment for me, and actually particularly for you, I think, I remember yeah. you, you talking about this, is when you see how much difference a mount and a frame can make to your art. 
And uh, believe me, that's something I, I think that can either make or break a painting. I've seen a painting go from absolutely beautiful to an absolute disaster just simply because of a, a really poorly chosen frame. And equally, sometimes what, you know, what might be a painting you quite like can be totally transformed into something absolutely beautiful when it's been mounted and put into the perfect frame. And I love choosing frames for my paintings. Um, I don't, I mean, I'm talking about if I'm buying, if I'm painting one for someone else and framing it or one for myself or something. I don't frame them before I sell them generally. But I find that process of framing a painting to be an art in itself. And um, recently I entered that competition, didn't I, to get into the uh, London Gallery. And they did warn, they said on the, um, the, uh, the rules, they said, if you might have an amazing painting, but if it's in a bad frame, you know, you can expect that you won't be chosen sort of thing. So I, I felt really like pressured to find the perfect frame. And I really enjoyed um, that part of that, you know, is, is I wanted it to be something that became part of the painting in a way. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, I mean, I, I remember you, Tara, saying... I think I think did I don't know how it happened, but I just remember you saying to me, "Oh my god, I can't believe how different these look now." I framed them because you were thinking about mounting and framing one, weren't you? Yeah, I had some pictures, and Kevin wanted some for his wall, um, so I thought, "Oh," and I asked your advice, didn't I? What what sort of frame you thought go for something really plain, like a white with a white mount, mm. and um, I mounted them up, and I liked the drawing before I put it in the mount. But once you put it in there, it, because it, you lose all your scrappy edges, don't you? And it's yeah. just like, wow. It's just like it goes from, oh, that's all right, to, oh, I really like that. It's, it's just, you can't believe the difference, basically. And you can see how some people's art that you might, if you saw someone's art lying around in the studio, you might think nothing of it. But I'm sure once you put that in a mount and a frame you could completely transform the thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I do think sometimes art needs to be looked at with the frame in mind, sometimes. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that that was definitely an aha moment for you. I, I just remember you being on video going, look, look at this, <laughs> it looks so different. Yeah, it's so much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Aha, it's now time for the questions, isn't it? So if your art could talk, what would it say? And I've got the first one, which is Christy Seneff. And she says, what are you waiting for? Aren't we good enough? <laughs> Adrian Sutherland, stop fiddling already. And I've got Ben King. And he says, how many post-it note doodles does this sketchbook really need? <laughs> I've got uh, Vanessa Elliman, let me dry woman. Oh, God, that's me. Hairdryer <laughs> out. I've got Alan Green. Come on, Greenie, stop messing about. You've given me the long one. I did, yeah. Um, Margaret Gray. Let us have a little talk about the things I love and the things that I feel and the things that move my heart and mind. But we won't use words. No, we'll use colour and line and tone. Little brush strokes, pen lines and faces, flowers and places. And I would like it if you would smile or frown and wrinkle your brow up or down. It's okay. If you don't know what it is, I made it. That's all I know. <laughs> I thought that was quite a cool poem. Yeah. Well done, Margaret. Um, I've got Jodie Croft, and she says, stop procrastinating and get on with it. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd, get, I'd have one like that. <laughs> uh, mm. Angie Safford, keep drawing. Your cartoons and collages are so interesting. I've got Michael Beckett. Here I am, 
Take me or leave me. I don't care what you think. Nell come in, stop comparing me to my siblings. <laughs> that's a good that's one. So, yeah, that's a really good one. I love that. Right, I've got Katie Lennon. Explore some more. Let your creativity fly. Hilary Milner, just get on with it and create what you like. Never mind if others don't see it the same way. Oh, yeah, I like that. I've got Bridget Blair. And I can't remember how to say her last name. Weiss Weiss Black? Now, I would say, because it sounds like German to me, so I'd say the W is V. V. So I'd say uh, Weiss Bach. (laughs) Bridget, I think you should send us an audio of you telling us your name because we mention you quite a bit on this. We never get it right, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, Bridget. Um, (laughs) Lately, it would say, where have you been? I've been in a lull. Mia Castagnada, um, or Castagnada, here's another one that I never never get right, I'm sure, says, come back. Yes, I think all of my paintings are saying that to me. <laughs> come back. I've got Roving Jay, and she says, when my sketch hits the ugly stage, I can hear it whisper to me, don't leave me this way. I can't survive without your love. Don't leave me this way. I wasn't going to sing it. Oh, do you know, it's funny. She says her sketches hit that ugly stage. Oh, her sketches are amazing. I don't All of my paintings. Sorry? I don't think hers hit the ugly stage. No, I, I don't think she works them over, overworks them enough to get to an ugly stage. I think they're amazing. My paintings all go through an ugly stage. Do yours? Uh, I wouldn't say it's an ugly stage. It's a more, they get to a stage where I think, I have no idea if it's going to work or not. Yeah. Yeah, I, mine not, get to a stage where I'm like, oh, this is not going to work. I just don't know why I'm doing this. I this is just not going to work. It's not working. It's not working. I, I should do I do I um, waste all of the time I've spent on this painting and just start something else, or do I carry on anyway and and possibly waste a load more, more time. time? Yeah, and I have that fight with myself nearly every painting I do and it's a very I call it the skanky teenage stage it's a very stressful stage I don't like it at all and 99.9% of the time I carry on I persevere and I'm very happy at the end that I did (laughs) but it's just yeah yeah mine get I think I can get to nearest the end of one and I think this isn't this doesn't work this isn't good um and then I think, oh, maybe if I try doing this. But all that happens at that point is I'm right. It's not good. And I'm just going to make it worse. Do you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's one of those where you, you, you've gone past it. Well, it was never there, probably, that one. So I've got a folder. I, I, I still scan it in. But I've got a folder on, in my art folder called Bad. Oh, really? Bad. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So would you ever think about getting all of those... Um, works that you consider bad and working over them with some of your aha moments such as your white gouache and things like that not white gouache uh, sorry white uh, white matte wor- medium no it wouldn't work i could use put matte medium on i guess because they've all got the wax pastel, wax pastel on them already because it so makes me wonder be- if they're if you've got nothing to lose you could have fun with some of those and see where you what you now having all the learned all the lessons you've learned since those paintings you could it's not necessarily having a it's not necessarily that i did them a long time ago or anything i could do one tomorrow do you know what i mean oh i see it's just that some you know some don't work some do work because i haven't really got a plan as such yes 
oh yeah. no, it's going to be sci-fi. It might be a bit of steampunk, but I won't know. Generally, generally, I won't know exactly what it's going to look like. And mm. Some work, some don't. But I mean, yeah. I, I yeah. could go into them and stick some gum tape over them and draw into them <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or you could t- you could um, you could tear strips of them and make a face out of several. You could cut there are down boards. Oh, do you right. know what I mean? They're like um, sort of a, a few mil thick. These boards. I see. So yeah, oh, I see. but I could yeah. stick. I just stick paper on top of them and gum tape and collage mm. into them. Okay, so I've got Jojo Illustra. I am. I'm strong. I'm graceful. I am wild. I daydream, I'm focused, I feel deeply, I dominate, I'm vocal, I'm beautiful, I'm a mess, I'm spontaneous, I am elegant, I'm adventurous, I am all of these things and more, I am a woman. (laughs) (laughs) I've got Andy W. Art and he says, I want to be beautiful and colourful but he made me this way so I'll never sell. Oh Oh, Andy. Andy. (laughs) (laughs) Untamed Sylph, I'm a 12 year old in a 40 year old body and i like it <laughs> okay i've got velvet underground five it would scream no words just scream nothing held back full-throated <laughs> we've got a brand new question for you today which is and this is a really interesting one if it's a weird one i told you last night what it's it gonna be and she was like oh god what anyway right let's get to the question so yeah if if you could choose one imaginary friend to join you in your art studio. Who would it be and why? And instantly you, you texted me back, didn't you, and said, well, what sort of, a, do you mean, a, what did you say? I can't remember. Uh, it's like, do you mean someone who, like, so, say you could say, oh, I want Leonardo da Vinci to be my imaginary friend. Like someone yeah. who existed. Yeah. Or yeah. it could be somebody who who's a ghost, or it could be somebody who never existed. Well, he would and be a ghost, wouldn't he? <laughs> well, he would be, yeah. <laughs> or it could be someone that you um, you you knew in your life who's not around anymore, or someone who you've completely made up. So basically, an imaginary friend is someone who it's impossible that they can be there, but you want them, you wish they were. Whether it's someone you real or someone not real. And do you want to who tell everybody what you said that yours would be? <laughs> not the real one no <laughs> all right then I you might what did I, say? I can't uh... remember what i said oh yeah it was, it was the hunky man wasn't it yeah <laughs> wearing just hunky a dicky man bow. with a big brush that's what you said <laughs> yeah wearing nothing but a dicky bow yeah <laughs> a big brush to polish marbles yeah. that was what it was yeah. oh god that's so hilarious what who is your who who is yours gonna be then did you think of any answers? Um, no, I didn't think of any answers. I wouldn't want an imaginary friend. I prefer working on my own. <laughs> You'd feel sorry, like sorry to be boiling, but but uh, it would get on my nerves. An imaginary friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, as always, you can tweet us your answers at Kit Creatives or let us know in the Facebook group, which you haven't already joined. I highly recommend you do. Put the question up there and also on the Facebook page and, of course, on Instagram, which is Kick in the Creatives. I hope that gave you the kick in the creatives you needed. Don't forget to pop over to our website at kickinthecreatives.com to find out how you can take part in some of our upcoming creative challenges. And, of course, there you can also subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, we'd be so grateful if you would leave us a little review on iTunes 
or even just a star rating and better still you know share please do share the podcast with your other creative friends if you can yeah and also don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter to keep up to date with all the challenges and the podcasts and if you enjoy what we do and you'd like to help support Kick in the Creatives, you can now support us by buying us a coffee. And you can find the link on our website. And we want to say a big thank you to our latest supporters. And they are Alison Cochran. She says, listening to you pair on the podcast was the perfect way to fill up time on the train to Scotland yesterday. I'd stored up a few episodes so I could binge listen. Thank you for entertaining me. God, can you imagine binge listening yeah, to us? Dear. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, oh, that'll be my worst nightmare. <laughs> but thank you, Alison. Really appreciate that. Uh, Victoria, oh, I can't say this. Uh, Victoria Goerick, Goerick, I think. Sorry about the name. <laughs> Sorry, I can't pronounce it. Thank you, she says, for giving us those challenges and an opportunity to grow with them. And that's a really lovely thing to hear because that is exactly what those challenges are for. And Joanna Brown, who continues to support us every month. Thank you, Joanna. You are amazing, really. Thank you so much. Um, Scooter Girl. Now, I don't know your real name, Scooter Girl, but thank you so, so much for your support. It, it really does help us. Basically, as I said in the beginning, you are all of you are our sponsors because you help us to carry on with this podcast so thanks and we will be back next time yep see you soon bye bye thank you so much for listening we hope you enjoyed the episode and if you did perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on itunes It's now time for the questions, isn't it? It is, yes. I just went over you there. Shall I do that bit again? No, it's fine. (laughs) I'm used to you talking (laughs) over me. What are you about? (laughs) I never know when you stop, do I? (laughs) We need some visual cues because I can't see you. Yeah, maybe we should do we should do um, video podcasts. What do you think? We'd have to put lipstick on though. Yeah, I'd have to brush my hair. Yeah, we need to do it a bit later, so I've got time to do that.